Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Geek Town Radio podcast. We are on a special interview show this week uh, due to the fact that I've just spent three very exhausting but very fun days down at MCM Comic Con in London. It was a fantastic show as it always is. We had some great guests down there, some of which we weren't able to cover from the press side of things such as Sebastian Stan and David Harbour because uh, they weren't doing any press interviews and we couldn't record any of the panels. So um, uh, I'm sure they were lovely for people that were able to be down there and see them. But unfortunately, we can't bring you anything from those guys however we have got a whole bunch of videos that have gone up onto the youtube channel so where uh, there are videos up on there from the arrowverse so where uh, Stephen amel were there emily bet rickards was there david ramsey tyler hoechlin um so a whole bunch of guys from the arrowverse were there for the first time they've done mcm as well uh, due to heroes and villains not being around anymore or at least not for a while um we also had one of the interviews coming up later in the show which is Misha Collins who obviously plays Castiel on the brilliant Supernatural uh, he did two panels on the main stage we didn't manage to catch the Saturday panel because it clashed with something but uh, we've got the panel from Sunday which you can hear in its entirety upon uh, the show in a minute so we've got that coming up before I get into that I had the chance to chat with the developers of a little VR game based on a tiny little show called Doctor who uh doctor who the edge of time is the game it's published by playstack and it's developed by maze theory and uh, i got to chat with some of the guys that are behind that it's basically a sort of interactive adventure uh it's inspired by the show's 55 year history uh stars jodie whittaker as the doctor so it's the current incarnation of the doctor there are a few surprises and stuff that pop up in it as well though so um it's a really fun looking vr game it's coming out on a whole bunch of different platforms i will let the uh, developers behind it just explain a little bit more about it this was a little five minute interview i did with those guys so uh, before we get into the other stuff have a listen to this so do you want to just each introduce yourself and uh what you're doing here at mcm okay uh, i'm marcus mosby i'm the creative director of maze theory and i've been working on um, the edge of time hi i'm neil millstone i'm the lead developer on doctor who the edge of time yeah, hi, I'm Russell Harding. I'm the executive producer on Doctor Who The Edge of Time. <laughs> so uh, Doctor Who The Edge of Time is a VR game. Do you want to just explain something about it, whoever wants to do that? 
I'll take that one. Um, so it's a feature length episode, effectively. It's about three hours, but it's uh, oh yeah. So you go on an adventure through space and time. Um, you take the role of the companion for the Doctor, um, and the Doctor helps you through a whole series of different environments um, and classic enemies, new enemies, all to sort of save the universe. That sounds very cool. And uh, which Doctor are we going with at the moment? So it's the current Doctor, Jodie Whittaker, but she does meet some creatures that she's not met before uh, in the current TV show. Cool. Cool. All right. And uh, when did you start working on this? So uh, there was an original prototype build, which was uh, made last year, kind of mid last year, summer. And we started full development about uh, October last year. So it's been about eight months or so uh, to get to this point. And we released in September. Okay, cool. And what's been the trickiest thing to uh, deal with bringing this to life? dealing with uh, Marcus's vision for the game because I'm the executive producer so we have to deliver it um, I think the trick is the most challenging thing is uh, integrating narrative into a fully immersive interactive experience and trying to use game mechanics to enhance it rather than have them overtake the narrative and dealing with things in VR where players can look anywhere and they're not as controlled as they are in traditional camera flat screen mediums that tends to be really challenging. In terms of the gameplay, what sort of things can you be able to do within the game? So there's a lot of problem solving, as the Doctor does. That's kind of what she does. Um, you're traversing between environments, finding things, solving things. Um, obviously, she doesn't shoot things herself directly, uh, so so it's not so much gunplay. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's the great thing about the show, though. It fits VR perfectly, the idea of being in an environment, figuring out what the problems are and what to do. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And uh, you say you're, you're aiming for September release, did you say? What platforms it's coming out on? Because I see people behind me that are, looks like they're, they're for those Oculus. They're Survive using. Pro. Oh, Survive Pro. Yeah. So what, what are you releasing it on? So we're releasing on PlayStation VR, uh, Oculus, Rift and Quest, and also HTC Vive. And, you know, each has its advantages. The Quest is great because you don't have a wire to tether you, whereas the PSVR has, you know, massive sales and, and it's, it's, probably the, it's probably the cheapest way for people to get into yeah. high-end VR. The Quest is the new system, isn't it? That seems quite popular at the moment. There seems to be people picking it up. And it's not expensive for a change. Not that expensive, anyway. It's an, amazing, it's an amazing piece of equipment, having everything that you need for VR in the headset itself. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. We've had, some, we've had development kits for a few months now, and we've got, we're doing some pretty well on it. Cool, cool. And if you want to pitch this to why people should go out and get it, give me your best kind of pitch line. So I think Doctor Who The Edge of Time is an amazing sci- sci-fi adventure where you'll get to control the TARDIS, but visit a variety of different alien landscapes and some well-known ones and travel through time. Awesome. Well, I look forward to having a go on it. <laughs> Thanks. That was the guys behind Doctor Who The Edge of Time, which is coming out in September, so keep an eye out for that. Now we have the main interview that is going out on this show. This is Misha Collins from his panel on Sunday. Um, he was fabulous. He was in wonderful, wonderful form. Uh, came up with one of the best descriptions of Supernatural I've ever heard, I think. Um, he was telling stories, telling wonderful jokes, interacting with fans. Uh, he was brilliant. 
he was brilliant and really funny. So here's the panel from Sunday with Misha Collins. After this, I will give you some highlights for things to watch out for on TV next week. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So how how are you feeling today? I feel like we're doing fair. Yes. Yeah. Like, so how are you? Um, good. Do you want to talk about my mother? Do <laughs> you want to talk about your mother? No, I don't. That went very <laughs> badly yesterday. Um, so how is MCM for you? Great. So have you enjoyed meeting these lovely fans? Most of them. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I'm sure you've got some stories to tell them. <laughs> So I'm going to launch straight into questions because we have fan questions at the end of this and I will signal when you have to run to those mics. Now, over the last few days, this side of the room has been very fast. Okay, so we want this side of the room to be faster this time. So the end is, the end is nigh. Okay, so I'm going to go back to the start. How did you feel when you first landed this role in Supernatural? On Supernatural? Um... <laughs> to be honest, uh, indifferent. Oh. Um, because I didn't know what Supernatural was, really, when I got cast on it. Right. I was not a fan of the show, per se, um, in that I had never seen it before. Um, and I, I just knew that there were these two, you know, underwear model guys <laughs> driving around. It looked like Dukes of Hazard meets uh, meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer to me. Actually, why wouldn't I be excited about that? That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, but then uh, once I got on the show and got to know it, I got you know more and more into it. And, um, and then it was, uh, the whole thing was this sort of on, on, ongoing, unfurling surprise where um, I, got, I got more and more episodes on the show and then I got... Um, you know, more intimate with the fan base, not in that way. Um, and started to realize that I had sort of happened into this community and this phenomenon that I didn't even know was happening. Um, I remember going to the uh, end of season, though the season four premiere uh, at, at McGee's little studio, um, his offices, in Hollywood, they did a little screening party, and the writers were there, and a couple of the actors were there, and we were eating past hors d'oeuvres, and Sarah Gamble, who was uh, not the showrunner at the time, but just a, a writer on the show, um, sidled up to me and said, your life is about to change right before you know my character was introduced on the show. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> It's, I've been on plenty of TV shows as a guest star. It's not that big a deal. Um, and then she was right, and I had to apologize to her later. So, how was it coming in to this? Because you came in at season four? 
Is that's correct. So the Supernatural fans, I have to say, are the most wonderful, enthusiastic fan base. You mean, guys like, are really amazing. So, yeah, ready to applause for yourselves. It's not just about this guy, it's about you too. Uh, so what was it like coming into that family and like, how did the fans take to you? I mean, I think what, you know, the, you were basically using a euphemism there. They're psychotic. <laughs> You can be nice. Uh, good psychotic. Yeah, you can be good psychotic. Um, um, that's actually true. They are good psychotic. Um, it, was a, it was by degrees, you know, that I started to realize how intense that community was. And by the way, over time also, it, it, the intensity of the community grew. You know, I think that the, the supernatural fandom now is stronger by, by orders of magnitude than it was in season four. And it's been really cool to be a part of it. And it's been cool to be able to work with fans to, you know, do really cool things like, you know, charitable work yeah. that we've all done together. We've, um, you know, the Supernatural fandom has, has really put, has, has put probably hundreds of thousands of volunteer hours and millions of dollars into worthy causes mm -hmm. over the years. And, um, and that's really a remarkable thing. Yeah. And, it's, um, and it's really cool to be a part of. Uh, I love the idea of being able to take a, a show that's about two underwear models driving around in their Dukes of Hazard car and turning that into something that, you know, is able to build or orphanages and, um, yeah. and help, you know, Syrian refugees and things like that. It's just a really totally surreal and wonderful phenomenon that I'm really happy yeah. to be a part of. Round of applause for that. Yes. We're going to be talking more about that sort of stuff later for sure. Um, throughout the interview, I've got some fan questions from the internet and things, but I've got um, one that's a video that got sent in. This was one that got sent in. So can we play the video from the super fan of yours? Is it ready? Good night, Lisa from Down Under. Be nice to my friend, be clear. Behave yourself in the interview or I'll hex you. Yeah. I just said to you earlier. Ruth's eyes looked amazing in that. Yeah, well, did you recognize those eyes? She looked really good. Ruth is a good pal of mine, and when she found that I was speaking to you, she was like, oh my god, and she told me lots of things I can't say here, I'm afraid. Uh, what were the things you can't say? Well, there is one question I can ask. Which um, is what? It's, uh, she says, this is from Ruth, this is from a fan, Ruth Connell. What is your favorite thing that you've ever written on your chest? What is the favorite thing you've ever written on your chest? What the heck does that mean? Was it, who was it? Was it Lucifer? Does anyone remember who, who conveyed that it was Lucifer? So, unfortunately, Lucifer, I guess, wanted to convey. It doesn't matter. A bad character <laughs> wanted to convey a message, which is, I'm coming to get you. But it was conveyed by writing, I'm coming on my bare chest, which I then had to convey to the other characters by tearing my shirt open and showing my bare chest with, I'm coming. And 
And I, I, for some reason, I read the script, and they had to do a prosthetic, uh, which means it takes the makeup to, it wasn't just like painting lipstick on my chest, it was like it had to look like it was burned onto my chest. And so it took hours to, to put this application on in the morning. I had to come into work early to do it. And then when they were done, I looked down and I was like, oh, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> But that didn't, unfortunately, I didn't process that until they were done and we were ready to shoot. And so um, we got on the set and I, and we did many takes in which I, I tried to do a corresponding facial expression and sounds that would convey the message very clearly. Um, <laughs> what I didn't know <laughs> is that, uh, well, once a year, once a year, uh, the president and top brass of Warner Brothers Television come visit set. <laughs> and they happened to be at the monitors when I was doing that. <laughs> and I didn't know that. Um, so the fact that I'm still on the show is a real coup. <laughs> okay, so yeah. a clap for that, that is yes. <laughs> Now, Ruth actually had only lovely things to say about you. When she DM me on Twitter, she was like, oh my God, oh my God, I love Misha. So tell me, do you have any stories about Ruth and the other cast members you'd like to share? Um, I mean, if I had a penny for every time I'd heard Ruth say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love Ruth. I love, I mean, we have this like really, really amazing core cast and it's actually, it's actually maybe self-selecting. There's a group of actors who have ended up being on the Supernatural convention circuit. So we see each other 15 weekends a year. And then um, we all just kind of love each other and, and compliment one another and um, bring different things to the group and, and really enjoy each other's company. And we laugh a lot. You know, when we, we just spent last weekend in Rome at a, at a convention, and at the end of that convention, everyone ha has just like ripped six-pack abs because they're laughing so much the whole time. It's not true. We don't. <laughs> um, but, it, but really, we're like, literally, I was like, my, st my stomach muscles are sore from laughing so much because we just have a great time in the green room. Um, yeah, and that goes for all of the all of the cast. Uh, everyone is, I think, I would say, equally um, loved and admired, except for Jared and Jensen. <laughs> Poor guys. So, what are you gonna miss most about the show? You know, um, I think that's probably what I'll miss most about the show. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I'll I'll miss going to work and laughing and having that camaraderie, it's not just the cast, but it's also the crew of the show. We all just know each other so well. We've, you know, all, we've all kind of grown up together. We've squandered our middle age together. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to miss the supernatural community, the supernatural fandom. I know that it won't go away immediately, but as these things go, it will dwindle. Yep. Um, you know, people will move on to other favorite shows younger, prettier shows, and I know it won't ever go away completely, um, but I think I'll miss that, like, fire and intensity that we have when a show is on the air. Um, I, I sincerely hope we can find a way to, like, carry the torch forward onto other things. 
Yeah, I'm sure you will. And yeah. you've got these guys carrying the love for you as well, so. I hope so. Yes. Yeah. Don't be quiet. Yes. Um, <laughs> I do know that we will never, uh, we'll never forget this fandom. We'll always, um, it'll always be a huge part of our lives, um, formative and foundational. Now I've got a fan question here from Instagram. Have you learned anything from the show that has great meaning to you and will stay with you for the rest of your life? despite the end of this era, from Amy251 on Instagram. One of the things that happens on set a lot when I'm shooting with Jared and Jensen is that they try to make me laugh while the cameras are on me. And they do that to humiliate me. And I, from the beginning, have been really bad at not laughing. And at one point, I gave up on it. I was like, I'm just going to just laugh and not even try. I would bite my cheeks or pinch my own leg to try to cause myself pain. <laughs> but I, nothing worked. And then one day, Dave, our dolly grip, came up to me and he said, Misha, do you want to know a trick? When they're trying to make you laugh, just think about how much you hate them. <laughs> and it really worked. <laughs> so that's probably one of the most important things I'll take away from working on the show. Great, I love it. Yeah. And what are your plans after Supernatural? I don't know. Got any plans to dip into other worlds outside of acting? I, mean, I know you've got lots of other things going on I'm going to ask you about after this. Um, I'm actually still, I'm really ruminating on that and trying to make sure that I'm making a good decision for what I want to do next. I mean, I think that I could try to jump right into another show um, or I could try to start producing my own stuff, yep. um, or I could crawl into a cave and cry for a year. <laughs> and I'm not sure which one of those I'm gonna choose. Don't do the third one. Well, I don't Stay know, it could those. be interesting. Get out of that cave. Yeah. Stay out of the cave, don't go in the cave. Um, I've seen you've been asked quite a few times about the whole accent thing, mm -hmm. okay? So I want you to tell me, is there an accent that you find too difficult to do? I mean, my Scottish accent is terrible. Well, I was going to ask you to do a Scottish accent. No, it's awful. I have tried with Ruth, and it just sounds like I'm a leprechaun with a lisp. <laughs> Doesn't work. Are there um, phrases that she gives you? like? No, I mean, in fairness, she, we haven't spent a lot of time with her tutoring me on the accent, but it's not, it's not my strong suit, yeah. I used to spend a lot of time doing accents, um, and I did it so much. This was like in high school and college, and I did it so much that um, people would stop talking to me. Um, I, I spent probably literally six months talking more in an Indian accent than in a standard American <laughs> accent. And my family was just furious. They were like, stop it, stop. <laughs> but I had a couple of friends who were like, you know, you're really good at this. You should be an actor. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, okay, great. So I think I'm an actor partly because I did accents for a long time. And some of the first roles I got were like Russian gangster characters, which was just because I'm not actually really Russian, but um, I, I had a good Russian accent and people thought I was Russian. So oh. um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I owe some of my career to the fact that I could do a handful of accents well, but it's amazing to me how bad I am at so many accents as well. Oh, I'm not I'm sure why that is. Don't you worry, I'm really bad. No, no you are you kidding me? Your Scottish accent is incredible. Yeah, 
as I said to the last panel, mate, I've been here for 17 years and I still can't do an English accent and I live in England. It always ends up turning out like this, don't know why, you know? Well, that sounds great to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone here is going, uh, like just in a pair of us. Anyway, I'm going to ask another fan question okay. from Instagram. What would you be doing now if the role of Cass had never come along from Susan Susan? Um, I would probably be working as a physical therapist. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I say that because um, right around the time that I was that I got cast as Castiel, um, my wife's mother said, "You know, maybe you should get a job as a physical therapist," because she didn't have any faith in my acting career at that time. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it was um, there was a lot of luck that came into play um, and but I was also sort of bound and determined to keep it acting, and I would probably still still be doing it. Oh, so another fan question I've got here. How did you feel when you knew that season 15 would be the end of Supernatural? Um, and that's from some short guy, 89. Some short guy on the internet? Yeah, so at some short guy, 89, via Instagram. Uh, I wonder if that's Rob Benedict. Um, <laughs> I think we all felt um, kind of bittersweet about it. I think we're all, uh, um, I think we're all interested to see what's next in our lives. Um, but at the same time, um, we, you know, love the show and have spent really our whole adult careers working on the show, mm -hmm. and we're gonna, we're really gonna miss it. Um, so it was bittersweet. Um, I'm I'm nervous and excited about the future. Um, sad to be seeing the show go, but we had conversations about you know well we could you know writers really felt like they could stretch the story for another two or three seasons, or um, have one really kick-ass final season, and the consensus was let's do that like let's go out with a bang. Um, and let's be let's be proud of our finish, and uh, and I think we all feel really good about that choice. And uh, this is from Hannah McDee. Um, will you start, will you be directing one last time on the upcoming season? I'm not sure yet. Okay. We're still sort of looking at the schedule, but I hope I hope so. Now I was looking at your cookbook, Adventurous Eaters Club. Yes. Yes. So I wanted to ask, really random, they were going from supernatural to food. Yep. But where did that love of food come from? Clearly, you've got a love of food if you're doing a cookbook. Was it through via being a parent and fussy kids? Like, how did that come to be? Um, so, for those of you who don't know, um, my wife and I are writing a cookbook, um, and it's a, like a family cookbook. It's about um, getting kids to eat healthy foods, but it's also about trying to build um, family and connection around food. I guess the love of food probably comes from my mother. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up, and um, but we always like sat down for home-cooked meals. And when I was home sick from school, my mother would always sort of care for me and show love for me by through you know by making soup or you know taking care of me with food. Um, it led to me being a fairly chubby kid. Um, but it's a, but I have always felt like food was a way to convey love, mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's probably what, part of why that's come to pass. 
Let's talk about one of your other projects, GISH. Yes. So I'm really interested, for those who don't know, explain what GISH is and how do you GISH? Um, GISH, I mean, I, I call it a scavenger hunt. It's not really a scavenger hunt. It's this thing where um, I make a list of things for people to do. Uh, it's a one-week period every year, and then they go out and um, either dress up in weird costumes or make things or embarrass themselves in some way or try to accomplish some really difficult, nearly insurmountable tasks. Um, and, and then we all collectively um, do something that's good for the world in some way. Um, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a really kind of strange, lovely experiment that has gone wildly well. People in 100 countries participate in it. Um, and we have done some really cool things together. And I've also gotten to see people humiliate themselves <laughs> just because I tell them to. And there's nothing more satisfying <laughs> than that. I mean, how would you, and now this is the last question before we play our little game, so I'm going to ask everyone to start lining up. Let's see which side of the room is quick. Cause, oh, oh, that is, oh. Yeah, interesting. Side. Yeah, that left side is way yeah, faster. I don't know what it is. Um, um, so how would you. Maybe the floor is tilted or something. Yeah, like you guys were like, ah, crush. Um, how would you inspire people to make a change and be kinder, leading on from Gish? Well, I mean, I think one of the things that's nice about Gish is that we've been able to um, find a way to make being kind or thoughtful or charitable into a game. So it doesn't feel like it's an onerous task that someone at your school is forcing you to do or your parents are forcing you to do it. It's me forcing you to do it. I guess it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> but it's way, it's like, I call it gamifying good. It's like, it's like bringing play into charity. It's something that I try to do with my kids. Like they get excited to go down to the homeless drop-in center to give things away because it like it feels playful to them. Yeah. And I guess that's, you know, the, one of the things that through this process, I accidentally stumbled on the notion that, wait, we can actually have doing nice things for other people be something that's playful and fun instead of something that, um, you know, your, your priest is making you do to do penance. Um, so, yeah. Now let's play this game. It's okay. called the UK Phrase Challenge. Okay, I'm going to fail. Okay. <laughs> so um, I'm going to say the phrase, not always in the accent, because I can't do these accents. Okay. And then you're going to have to guess okay. what it means. Right. Oof, that's pure bogging. Um, I'm coming. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> so can you guess what that means? Oof, that's pure bogging. Um, that smells bad. Almost. It's Glaswegian. That's disgusting. Ugh, that's disgusting. Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, this is another one. Okay, so not Scottish. There's a bit of a clue. Gwed lad. What? <laughs> Gwed lad. I'm not doing it in the accent. I refuse. Gwed lad? Yeah, Gwed lad. Two, uh, that's when two men marry each other. <laughs> Go ahead, lad. Oh, that's, that's right. That's okay, right. Uh, this next one... Uh, and that was from Liverpool. Uh, this next one is Tara a bit. <laughs> um, Would it help if I did this? That's Tara that, a bit. Um, oh, that's a that's a scary tiara. <laughs> uh, Birmingham. See you later. I'll, I'll see you in a bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, those trainers are so peng. Um, your um, your sneakers are hurting me. Peng is London. It refers to anything that's like, oh, I like the look of that. Those trainers are so peng. 
Your, your jacket is very peng. You're looking peng all round. Thank you. <laughs> He's just emanating pengness right now. I don't think I'm using it right anymore, but we'll move on. Uh, I can't be mithered. Uh, I can't be mothered? Mithered. Mithered. I can't be bothered? Yes, it's from Manchester. Yes. Yes, yes first one in. Yes, and his last one, this last one. Pod your wished. Pod your wished. Oh, um. Pod your wished. I have to go to the bathroom? Actually, <laughs> no, it's Edinburgh. Be quiet. Pod your wished. Oh, that's so good. So, so that concludes our accent challenge. You got one Thank in. you. I, what do I win? Well, that you, you win pride. Great. <laughs> We're on to the fan questions. So you guys are really fast. We're going to go with the slow coaches over here. Our lovely lady there. Go for it. Hi, Misha. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you. You know, Misha, as a Supernatural fan, it has been quite weird and overwhelming for me to watch myself grow so fan of the show and so attached to the cast, you specifically. But then, what you said earlier made me think it must have been even more confusing for you as an actor to, you know, just wake up one day and realize you have all these people you don't know that just love you so much and look up to you and travel to other continents to see you. So, um, how was it at first? Did you hate it? Was it weird? <laughs> it's a very strange phenomenon to um, come for the first time to come face to face with people who know you but you don't know them um and i think that over time if you've watched if you think about it the show supernatural has you know we're going into our 15th season how old are you 22 22 so if you started watching the show when it first came on the air you would have been seven years old and you would have grown up with those characters in on your television and you would have seen us go from young attractive men to withered old hags <laughs> and you would have you would have felt like you knew us like you'd watched us and and our characters evolve over time and so when you meet us you really do kind of know us in a way and it's a very strange thing to meet people who know you and you don't know them um, and, at, and at first it felt kind of overwhelming and strange and difficult to process. Um, and now, you know, I, I'll be out. I mean, now I've been a part of it for a dozen years and I'll be out signing autographs and people come up and say, you know, I love you. And, uh, and I'll say, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> you, you, it's amazing how you get used to almost anything, you know, now, now, miraculously, it seems normal, um, but it always, I always feel like uh, uh, there's a part of me that just a little bit cringes, like, you don't really, you don't know me, I'm like deeply flawed, and, um, but thank you. Thank That's, you. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye. you for your question. Let's go over here to the side of the room. Okay. Okay, so I don't know how much influence you have over season 15, but... No pressure. I have influence all over it. I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, so, can Cass get his wings back? Oh, great idea. Yeah. I'm tired of him driving around in those shitty cars. <laughs> Actually, I like the truck. 
I like the truck too. I like the pimp. You'd like the truck? You look great in the truck. Really? I did not like the truck. <laughs> I, I liked his uh, 1980s FBI wagon that he was just driving that has, uh, not uh, sedan, that he was just driving that had the bird shit on it. <laughs> did you notice that one? No. Um, I like the pimp mobile. I missed that one. <laughs> I've been advocating for Cass to get a smart car. No. One of these little and to have Sam be in it with him. You just want to play yourself again. Uh, I think that could be really funny. Um, or a motorcycle. Yes, yes. I'd like, I'd like Cass to have a few more vehicles before he gets his wings back. Uh, the sh the show has always been trying to the show has um, always been trying to find a way to hobble Castiel so he can't like solve problems too easily. You know, Sam and Dean have to like jump in the car and drive for two days to get to you know the, their next case. And Castiel could always be like, if he, if he had his wings, he'd be like, why don't I go check it out? I'll be back in five minutes. Um, so I think it's a way. I think having Cass's wings be. Um, broken is a way for the show to not have me be able to solve problems too quickly. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks Thank for your you. question. Thank you. Next over here, please. Like for example, do you remember that episode? I'm sorry to I'm sorry to cut you off. Remember that episode um, where Cass had to go get fruit from the tree of life? Hey, what the fuck is up with that? I know. So <laughs> Cass is like, well, I'll be off. I've got to go grab fruit from the tree of life in Israel or something. Where Where did he go? Jerusalem. And um, Cass had to get on an airplane at that point. He doesn't have wings. He had to find he had to find a way to book a flight on Expedia, <laughs> and you know it was probably a connecting flight, and it was probably a coach middle seat. And he's sitting there just like, no, no food for me. Um, Do you have anything to declare? Nothing to declare, just fruit from the tree. Do you have any fruit coming? Like, if any comes through customs, like, do you have any any produce? It's like, well, just for this bag of fruit from the tree of life. Probably got held up in customs for a while. Um, anyway, okay. this is just something to think about. Thank you. Okay, Hi. over here. Hello. Um, so I've seen this meme on Facebook with um, some clarity. Why were you arrested for sitting on top of a roof reading a book? I made a lot of poor decisions as a young person. Um, but one of them was I was, uh, I was late at night in my hometown uh, of Greenfield, Massachusetts. And I, um, I had a book with me. I think it was Watership Down. And I wanted to find a good spot to read, but there were no street lights that were near benches. And I was like looking around and I saw that there was a big street light right over the roof of a one story building. And I was like, well, that looks perfect. I can get up on that roof and read under that light. And it was around midnight. It was a bank. <laughs> and so I scaled the bank and got up there to read my book and then <clears throat> About 20 minutes later, all these floodlights came on from adjacent rooftops, and the police had been called because obviously somebody had seen somebody breaking into the bank. And uh, they got me down from the roof, pushed me down on the ground, handcuffed me, and, uh, and then they said, what were you doing? And I was like, obviously I was reading my book. <laughs> It took a while for them to believe me, but uh, I think I only had like $3 on me, so that's what ultimately exonerated me. Thank you. Beautiful mugshot, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thank you. Over here? Hi. Hi. 
Great to have you with us here at um, back here in England. I hope you get a chance to go back to Stonehenge. I hope so too. Um, yes. Uh, just a quick question. You get a lot of questions from us fans and from uh, nice interviewers, but is there a question that you've never been asked but really wish someone had asked you? A question that I've never been asked, never been but asked. I wish they had asked me? Yeah. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people, I mean, there, nobody has ever really asked me about my childhood traumas. <laughs> um, and now that we have this couch, I feel like it's a good opportunity. Um, no, but you, you mentioned um, Stonehenge, and um, I have met a couple of people who mentioned that they live near Stonehenge here. Um, and I, uh, I actually went to Stonehenge um, several years ago when I uh, was doing a convention here and found it to be amazing and much more impressive than the a styrofoam Stonehenge that we used in Stonehenge Apocalypse, which if you haven't seen it, Stonehenge Apocalypse is, um, we were ultimately snubbed for the Oscars, but it's a film that I <laughs> am very proud of. Uh, I saved the world in it, uh, which is kind of a big deal. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you, thank you very much for your question. Over here, the rainbow t-shirt, that's amazing, yeah. go for it. I have a very good German accent. I know, it's very compelling. <laughs> Are you Scottish? <laughs> How's your wish? Yeah, go on. Uh, so, um, I think everyone appreciates that you share so much of yourself and of your family on social media. Except for my family, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, as a mother of a teenage boy, I'm wondering, are you afraid if in a few years your children will come up to you and ask you, what the hell were you thinking, <laughs> posting those things? Good question. Yes, that's a great question. I recently told a story about wiping my daughter's ass on stage, <laughs> and, uh, and I reflected that um, she will probably see that one day <laughs> and uh, ask. In the United States, we have this thing called emancipation, where a child uh, can say, basically divorce themselves from their parents legally. And I have a feeling my children will try to do that at some point. <laughs> and I completely understand. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, cool. Next. Hi, Misha. Hi, how are you? Uh, good, and you? And my question is about the angels. Um, I imagine that every angel has uh, different colored rings. And I wonder what color would have uh, Cass's wings. Cass's wings? Yeah. Um, they're, they're probably rainbow colored wings, I would guess. That's amazing, I love it. Good answer. Thank you for that question. Thank you very, very much. Uh, okay, let's go over to this side of the room here. I think we've still got time for some more. Okay, go for it. Hi. <laughs> so, uh, first I wanted to tell you that you've been a huge inspiration for me. Like, um, I, you really inspired me to be a more kind person, to um, be myself and be proud of it. And, yeah, like also things like buttering up my boyfriend for gishwis or Something like that. I'm happy that I inspired you to butter your boyfriend. <laughs> you still I'm proud of that. that. Yeah. <laughs> so my question is, uh, if you could choose... It's hard to wash butter off, too. I've it noticed. Is. Yeah, it takes some time. <laughs> so my question is, if you could choose any song to be featured on, in an 
in a, in a episode of Supernatural, which one would you choose and why? Oh, good question. Oh, that is a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we could use some real, you know, real heavy metal, um, some, some more Metallica um, in Supernatural. Yes, yes. Um, but I think we could also use more lighthearted stuff as well. Like, you know, the Muppets theme song, for example. <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking about something like I Want to Break Free from Cream. Oh. Oh, well, that sounds nice. But let me throw this back at you. What about Sam and Dean driving in the Impala opening sequence and them just singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star to each other? <laughs> That's good as well. Kind of badass, huh? <laughs> Thank you. Let's go over Thank to the side of the room now, please. Hi. Hi. Um, you share a lot of your stories about your family on social media platforms, and nobody's asked you a question about family, so can we have a Collins story, please? A Collins story? Sure. Oh, my God. I do, I, you know, I've been away from my kids for 10 days, or almost two weeks now, and I miss them terribly, and they're very cute, and they say some of the sweetest things. Um, and they also say... Um, some other things. <laughs> <clears throat> we do, we do, we sing songs like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star um, at bedtime. Um, and I, um, I was snuggling the kids in bed and I said, I love you so much. I love you to the moon and back. And I want you to stay my little kids forever and ever. And I want you to never grow up. And they said, no, we are going to grow up. And I said, no, I want you to stay my little kids forever and ever and ever and not grow up. And they said, no, we are going to grow up. And I said, no, I want you to stay my little kids forever and ever and not grow up. And Mason said, no, we are going to grow up and we're going to get old and we're going to die. <laughs> that sounds like Mason. It's sweet, huh? Thank you very much. Thank you. That's a good. That's a good story. And next, what's on your T-shirt? That is amazing. That's Michael Scott. Yes. Okay. Your question, please. Hi, Misha. Hi. My question is: Will we ever get new episodes of uh, Cooking Fast and Fresh with West? And uh, also, what is your favorite food? And you can't say kale. Um. I, I think we probably, we will get more episodes of Cooking Fast and Fresh with Wes. He started to get a little self-conscious about the camera, and he, he started to find, he found out about view counts. He was like, he's, you know, he was like, oh, I, I, somebody told me there was a million views on Cooking Fast and Fresh or something. And I was like, oh, God, I've created a monster. Um... So I've been a little bit, you know, wary of that. But I think we probably will do more because it's fun and they're starting to get into cooking and on their own, which is really kind of a fun moment. Um, and my favorite food, I don't know. I, I love so many different kinds of foods. But I think when I was a kid, I mentioned this before just to try to get sympathy, but we didn't have a lot of money. And uh, every once in a while for like a big treat, we would go out to the cheapest Chinese restaurant in town where it was like $3.50 for an all-you-could-eat buffet. And I have always had this weird thing, which is a, um, a love for the cheapest possible Chinese food. It's like a comfort food for me. 
um, like at the airport, um, when you can get like 15,000 calories of food for, you know, a couple of pounds, that for me is really um, a sweet spot. So like when I'm actually feeling under the weather or something, sometimes I'll treat myself to the cheapest possible Chinese food. Science that's is. better than loving super expensive. Possibly, although probably less healthy, but you know, Science. arguably. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Okay, on to the next. <clears throat> Um, Hi. So just, but my actual question was like, if Jared Jensen and you were to do like a body swap episode in season 15, um, would you prefer to play Dean or Sam? And would you prefer like for Jensen or Jared to play Castiel? Um, I think I, I would probably prefer to play Jensen um, just because I, I already feel like I have a pretty good handle on his like body language. Mm -hmm. um, I've kind of already got it down. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think I would like to have uh, Jared play Castiel. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I don't want him anywhere near my vessel. Um, I choose neither okay. for the other. Yeah. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Last but not least, Ms. Red Hot Chili Peppers <coughs> over there. Hi. How you doing? Hi, so my question is, if you had to pick between Sam and Dean to like survive in the 15th season, which one would it be and why? Oh, that's a great last question. <laughs> um, well, uh, it's a tricky question because you're asking me to lose a friend. Um, you know, I, I'm actually strangely attached to this idea that, that Jensen had. He had a dream um, about how the show ends. And this, this is the last scene of the show. And it's, uh, it's Dean driving up to a crossroads in the Impala and handing the keys of the Impala off to someone who is trading him a motorcycle for the Impala somebody presumably that he met on Craigslist. <laughs> and he gets on the motorcycle and drives away alone because he no longer needs a second seat because Sam is gone. And it's, it's a heartbreaking end to the show. But in a way, I think that there's almost like a more poignant, I feel like the show needs to end tragically somehow and have a finality to the ending. But I think that there's something more heartbreaking about one of the brothers surviving than having them both die in a Thelma and Louise send-off or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I feel like it's, there's something more poignant about one surviving. Um, and, and that story, that dream that Jensen had is stuck with me. So Thanks. I kind of like that one. What Thanks. a great question. Now, we have reached the end. For Paul, no, Misha's such a great guest. Misha, you're so bloody wonderful. Ruth was right. All of those enthusiastic DMs, I was like, okay, all right. And she, you have not disappointed. You've been bloody lovely. Oh, thank you so for your kindness. Lovely. Thank you so much, guys. I want you to give a rapturous round of applause for Misha. Thank, thank you for you. joining thank us you. at MCF. <laughs> 
So that was Misha Collins' Sunday panel from MCM this week. He was amazing. Uh, wonderful, wonderful to see him. I do hope he comes back and uh, brings the boys with him. That would be absolutely great at some point in the future. Now we have some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> So next week on TV, we have Animal Kingdom returning for its fourth season. That's to Amazon Prime on the 29th of May. Uh, over on Sky Atlantic on the 29th of May at 10 past 10, there is Black Monday, which is uh, Don Cheadle's in a tongue-in-cheek HBO show about what really caused the infamous stock market crash in 1987. Uh, it's been renewed for another season that it looks very funny. It's well worth watching. On the 31st of May, we have Good Omens coming to Amazon Prime. This, of course, stars Michael Sheen and David Tennant. Uh, the adaptation of the Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman novel. We will have much more on this next week because uh, one of the reasons we're doing an interview show this week is because there is a big premiere for Good Omens this week. So I'm still away from uh, home and I'm still down in London. So we should have much more on Good Omens up on the site and probably on the podcast next week as well. Next up on the 31st of May, we have The Oath, which starts on My5, the streaming service. That is a gritty cop drama. It's produced by 50 Cent, so uh, could be one to watch out for. We have Good Girls returning for the second season. That was brilliant the first season. That's back on Netflix on the 31st of May. And uh, my next guest needs no introduction with David Letterman that is starting on the 31st of May again for its second season the first one of that was superb he had people like George Clooney and, and President Obama uh, Howard Stern uh, Tina Fey it was really really interesting it's a long form interview show it's really good but that's my next guest and that is the 31st of May on Netflix moving into June we have uh, June 1st the Deadwood movie is going out on Sky Atlantic. That's, I think, just the day after the US airs it. So uh, that's Deadwood back for the first time in 13 years after its uh, series finale. So hopefully that helps satisfy some Deadwood fans. And over on uh, AMC Global, if you're following Fear the Walking Dead over there, season five starts on the 3rd of June, uh, 2 a.m. And then I think there's a 9 or 10 p.m. showing afterwards. But uh, Fear the Walking Dead back on AMC in UK if you uh, want to go and watch that. So that is everything for this week. We will be back to a normal show next week. Hopefully we'll have some stuff from Good Omens for you as well, which will be awesome. As ever, if you want to find out more information, go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week. There's lots of uh, news and lots of stuff from MCM going up this week. Also, go and check out the Instagram because we've got a lot of cosplay photos going up on there if you're into cosplay. That is Instagram slash geektownuk. Go and check out the YouTube. That's uh, youtube.com forward slash geektown that has got all the videos from MCM this week including some stuff with uh, some of the cast of The Walking Dead if you're a fan of The Walking Dead go and check that out as well and uh, some of the cast of Clerks we also got some interviews with so uh, go and go and check all that stuff out that's all up on the YouTube channel you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and as I said Instagram at geektown UK that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye <laughs>
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.